This is a special day for us. Some call this Easter. We call this Resurrection Sunday. That's right. That's right. You are excited about that. Thank you. Thank you. It is an amazing day in history. It's the day when Jesus, who had been crucified on Friday when they went to his tomb on Sunday morning, he's not there. In fact, he appeared to them and he says, I am alive. And so what we do is we make a big deal of this day. We make a big deal of this truth. We make a big deal of this reality because it has implications for all creation, all mankind. It has great implications for me and for you. And I want to share some of that with you today. So I'm glad to be with you. I get energized by a couple things. One, I get energized by getting to share the Word of God with you. But I get energized by being around people. And so... I only got to spend like 10 minutes in that reception today. I didn't get to talk to a lot of you. I've met some new faces. Would you just do this? It would bless my heart at least. You got that connection card in your worship program. Would you just write on there your name and then say something like, man, it was a great day or something like that. Just put in the joy box on the uh, back wall as we leave today. And as I read those, one, I will be praying for you, but two, just be like, oh yeah, I didn't see them or I didn't get to talk to them. But just so many people here today and first service was packed out and it's just good to see you. And so anyway, I would be honored if you would take that card, put it in the joy box on the way out today. A couple things. I'd like you, if you have a Bible with you today, turn to John chapter 11. John chapter 11. Or open your app or your iPhone or whatever it is. John chapter 11. If you're going to be in this Bible, the one sitting in front of you, we're going to be on page 897. 897. We are going to read what Jesus says. Read about something that happened one day in his life. John chapter 11. Now, sometime after Jesus appeared, it was a period of 40 days that he appeared to more than 500 people. Over 40 days he appeared just saying, look, I truly am alive. He showed the scars from the nails in his hands. He said, just, I want you to know that I'm truly alive. It's, it's not a ghost, it's me. And he, so he appeared to many of these people and revealed himself to them. One of those people he revealed himself to was a man named Paul. Paul was a guy who went to church a lot. He was a leader in the church. He knew a lot about Jesus, but he really didn't know Jesus until Jesus appears to him, reveals himself to him, and then he realizes, I now know this Jesus like never before. He spent the rest of his life, his physical life on earth, and he said, I want to know this Jesus more and more because when this body expires, I'm going to meet him and I want to know him as much as I can now to prepare myself for all eternity. One of the things he writes, and it has been our key passage here for the last few months, is these words in Philippians chapter 3. And I want you to read these words with me. This is what the Apostle Paul says, a man who knew Jesus, but he made it his mission to know him all the more. Would you read this with me, please? Ready? Begin. I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection and to share his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, that by any means possible I may attain the resurrection from the dead. He's writing this in jail, in fact. He knows he's going to die. And he says, I want to know him as much as I can now so that I could experience him 
him in a greater way for all eternity. And I'll tell you, this is the call on every single one of our lives. Whether you've known Jesus for a long time or this is you're exploring who he is, this is the call on each of our lives to know this Jesus, the one who made everything, the one who died so that you could be rightly related to God, the one that you will face when you die. And our call on each of our lives is to know him in greater ways. So, t- Amen. Thank you. Thank you, Dale. You've been to Mexico, I can tell, bud. And so, man, (laughs) I wasn't ready for that one. (laughs) But that's the call of our lives, to know Christ. One more time, brother. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Dylan. Thank you. Woo, to know Christ, to know Christ. Let me get my heart rate back to normal now. Here's a question, though. How do you get to know someone? How do you get to know someone? When I was a young kid, I got the opportunity to meet or to know some Major League Baseball players, Hall of Fame baseball players. As a kid, I got to know them by reading about them on the back of their baseball cards. Johnny Bench was one of my favorites, played for the Cincinnati Reds. I had a shirt that said Bench number five, and I got to know him. Even this last week is looking at one of his baseball cards. I still do this. I looked and I realized he was born on December 7th. It's a big day, a day in our country that will live in infamy. One of my other heroes, Joe Morgan of the Big Red Machine. Oh, he was one of my favorites. Brooks Robinson. Some of you are like, uh, you're dating yourself, Scott. But Brooks Robinson. Oh, he was a great third baseman. I actually got to meet him, but I knew so much about him. I collected so many cards of Brooks Robinson. And then I still, I, I didn't grow up. Ken Griffey Jr. Oh, I know so many things about Ken Griffey Jr. I've never met him, but I know so many things about him. I could, we won't do that today, but I could tell you a lot of things about him. I was eventually told that I need to make real friends, that these could not be my only friends. I had to have people that I actually knew and they actually knew me. One day I was with my brother, and we yelled at Ken Griffey Jr. at a ball game. My brother yells, hey, Griffey! And he's just like right over there. And Griffey looks at us, and we wave. And he's like, you know, I don't know who you are. <laughs> and I realized I needed to have some people in my life that I didn't just know, that they actually knew me. Does that make sense? Right? So anyway, uh, that is a call in our lives to, to know somebody, to know them more than the back of their baseball card, to know more than what's on their Wikipedia page, to have real friends. How do you get to know people? You spend time with them. They tell you about themselves. They show you who you are. And this is exactly what Jesus came to do. He said, I want you to know more than about me than just reading a few things. I want you to know me deeply. I want you to know I want us to be friends. I want us to have a relationship. Now that may seem weird, you having a relationship with somebody who lived 2,000 years ago. But he is alive today and he wants you to know him. And he knows you. Now a lot of you, you say you have friends. If I went to your Facebook page, I could see that you have two, three, four hundred friends, right? 
But really, those aren't your friends. Those are just people you know. You know some things about them. You've said hi to them in high school, whatever it might be. Some of you are stalkers. You follow people on Instagram, right? I got an Instagram account just so I could stalk my son who lives on the opposite side of the country. I do stalk him. I follow him that way. But some of you, you follow people and you'd say they are my friends, but maybe they really don't know you or maybe you really don't know them that well. But Jesus, he lived, made himself known to his disciples, to the world, to you and to me, that we might experience the greatest life-giving relationship there is out there. Jesus made himself known, catch this, so that you would experience the greatest life-giving relationship out there. This is what Jesus did. In this Gospel of John, which we'll read from in just a moment, John, at the end of the Gospel of John, writes this in chapter 20. He says, I wrote down these things. I was inspired by God to write these things. These were written that you may believe. We're going to talk about belief today. That you may believe that Jesus is the Christ or the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing you might have life in His name. John says, listen, I want you to know Jesus. I want you to believe in Jesus. Because if you know and believe in Jesus, you will experience life. If you're taking notes, let's write this down. That Jesus made Himself known so that we would believe. So that we would believe and trust that he is God's remedy for our sins and the source of eternal life. See, Jesus made himself known, we're going to read about this today, that we would believe. And that by believing we'd understand that he is God's remedy for our sins. You know that you sin and you fail against God. This is God's remedy and it's his source of eternal life. Amen. Amen. I'm getting ready for that, Dylan. But if you want to keep doing that, I love it, man. All right. In the Gospel of John, we've been reading this, and I'm just going to quickly run through this. If you wanted to read this, John writes some things how Jesus revealed himself, and John wrote these down. We've talked about them the last few weeks in John chapter 6 through 15. Jesus said, I am the bread of life. I'm the bread of life. Some of you have had bread this morning. You've had scones. You've had cinnamon rolls. You've had whatever it is down at the reception or at home. You're going to hopefully eat later today because your stomach is telling you you need something. Jesus said, let me reveal myself to you. I am the bread of life. He who comes to me will never go hungry. He's talking about something deep and spiritual. Whoever believes in me will not thirst. He's talking about something deep and spiritual. He said, I am the light of the world. I know that you have dark spots in your heart, dark spots in your life, but I am coming to shine light into that. Jesus said, I am the gate for the sheep. The gate for the sheep. You are these helpless sheep. There's an enemy that is trying to steal, kill, and destroy you. But you can go in and out with safety because this Jesus, who is the gate, he said this, I'm the good shepherd. I'm the good shepherd. Good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep, and Jesus did exactly that. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. You want to get to the Father? I'm going to show you the way. I am that way. And then last week we looked at the fact that Jesus said, I am the vine. I am the source of true life. And as you stay connected to me, you will produce God-honoring fruit. Now, we come to John chapter 11. Having talked about these things in previous weeks, John having said all of these things, chapter 
11, page 897, Jesus makes himself known in one more way. Now I know this, in a room like this, and I know some of your stories, some of you know Jesus. We've, I've heard some of your stories. You say, I know him. And I would say, fantastic. Today, though, he wants you to know him in greater ways. He wants you to trust in him and believe in him in greater ways. He wants you to experience more of life, those of you who know him. I imagine in a room like this, there are some that would say, if you were honest, you'd say, I don't know Jesus. I know about him. I've heard some things. But I really haven't given him my life. I haven't given him my heart. I'm just kind of checking things out. I'm exploring. I'm skeptical. That's fine. Great. But for you who are exploring, I want you to know that as we hear this today, the idea is that you would believe, maybe for some of you, for the very first time today, so that you would experience the life that Jesus has to offer you. So let's read this story. Follow along with me. Verse 1. In your Bible, there's a heading in some of your Bibles, a little spoiler alert telling you what's going to happen. We're going to read that Lazarus dies. But anyway, let me read this story to you. Chapter 11, verse 1. Now a certain man was ill, Lazarus of Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. It was Mary who anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was ill. So the sisters sent to him, that is, Jesus saying, Lord, he whom you love is ill. They sent a note to Jesus, said, pass this on. Tell him that Lazarus is sick. Now, I want you to know this, that Mary, Martha, and Lazarus, they all knew Jesus. They had spent time with him. You know certain people, certain people in this room. You know them because you've spent time with them. Maybe you've had them in your home. You know them. But Jesus on this specific day, he wants Mary, Martha, and Lazarus to know him in greater ways. And I want you to know this is what Jesus would want from all of us today. He says, you may know me, but I want you to know me in greater ways today. You ready for this? Verse 5. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was ill, he stayed two days longer in the place where he was. What? That's not what I would expect. You hear that someone's sick, you run, right? You go. Jesus stayed a couple days. I was thinking about that real quickly. I thought, God, what's up with your timing? Do you ever ask this sometimes? God, what's up with your timing? I would think that you would see my need and fix it right now. God, what's up with your timing? It's not jiving with mine. You ever said something like that? You ever thought that? And yet, as you get to know him more, you will understand, as I will understand more and more, that his timing is always perfect. may not seem that way, but as we know him more and more, his timing is perfect. Verse 11 He had said some things to his disciples about going. After saying these things, he said to them, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I go to awaken him. The disciples said, Lord, if he's fallen asleep, he's going to recover. I mean, why would we have to make this road trip to wake a guy up? If he's sleeping, I mean, he'll wake up, right? 
Verse 13, now Jesus had spoken of Lazarus' death, but they thought he meant taking rest and sleep. Then Jesus told them plainly, I want you to know Lazarus is dead. He died. And for your sake, I'm glad that I was not there. Check this out. So that you may, what? Believe. But let us go to him. Here's what I want you to know, disciples. I know that you know me. You've spent time with me for three years. You've seen me teach. You've seen me do miracles. You know a lot about me in these three years. But listen, I want you to believe deeper than you've ever believed before. I want you to know me in greater ways than you've ever known me before. He wanted this of his disciples. Just because you know Jesus doesn't mean you're done knowing Jesus. He would want you to believe in him more and more. Verse 17, follow along. Now when Jesus came, he found that Lazarus had already been in a tomb four days. Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles off. This is why Jesus had been there. Every time he'd go to Jerusalem, he'd probably visit Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. And many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary to console them concerning their brother. So when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him. Mary remained seated in the house. Reminds me of a story. If you're taking notes, just write this down. Luke chapter 10. Luke chapter 10. Nice little story of Mary and Martha and Jesus. But verse 21, Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give you. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Now I want you to know something. Martha knew something about Jesus. She did. She's seen Jesus for a few years. I know, Jesus, that if you would have been here, you have power. You have healing power. If you would have been here, he would not have died. She knew that about him. She also knew this. Jesus, I know that you have a connection to the Father. I know that if you would have been here, even now, you can say something. The Father listens to you. You can do something great. Martha knows some things about Jesus. But Jesus wants to reveal even more to her. Look at verse 24 again. Martha said to him, I know that that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Martha, whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. So here's a question I have as I'm reading this. What is Jesus trying to reveal about himself when he says that he's the resurrection and the life? What is he trying to reveal? What is he saying that Martha would go, I did not know that before. She'd probably not heard that phrase from him, but what is Jesus trying to say when he says, I am the resurrection and the life? You see, Martha and her fellow Jewish people, they believed that those who follow God, when we die, we're going to have an encounter with God. There will be a resurrection of the last day. We know that that's going to happen. That God is good, but it's going to happen someday down the road. But Jesus, he was expressing that the hope of glory that all mankind is waiting for is found in him, the person of Jesus Christ. 
He said, listen, the hope of glory is not just someday. I want you to know this, Martha, that the hope of glory that all mankind has been waiting for is in front of you right now. I am what you've been waiting for. I'm the resurrection. Not what you're waiting for someday later. I am that right now. Everything that all mankind has been waiting for is looking at you, Martha. Verse 24, read this. Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. Jesus said, I am that. I'm the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. Catch these words. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. And he asks her the important question, do you believe this? Because you know a lot about me, Martha. And you believe in me in a lot of ways, but do you believe this? These are tough words. (laughs) Do you believe, Martha, that even though you die, you will live? That's weird. Do you believe that when this body expires, Martha, you will live? That's interesting. Do you believe, Martha, that you shall never die? Now, he's talking more about than just the physical body, right? He's saying, do you believe this? question for you and me this morning is this. Will you believe? Will you believe? When Jesus says, here's what I am, will you believe this? Verse 27, look how she responds. Verse 27. She said to him, yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who is coming into the world. This is beautiful because she is getting Jesus. She has seen him for a few years. She knows much about him, but now she is getting Jesus. She's like, I believe that you're more than a miracle worker. I believe that you're more than a great teacher. I believe that you are more than the Son of God. I believe that you are the Christ, the one that God had to make all things right. I'm getting this, Jesus. And I would want you to know that to know Jesus means that we would believe in him. And to believe in him then, then means that we experience life. Consider this, if you would. To know Jesus more and more means that you would believe in him more and more. And to believe in him more and more means that you would experience life more and more. Sometimes, though, we misunderstand life, right? Do you ever misunderstand life? Do you ever misunderstand what this is all about and what that is all about and life to come? You remember the old board game called Life? Remember that? I was thinking about that this week, board game called Life. Remember? Now, you young kids, unfortunately, unless it's an app, you don't know what this is. Okay. Called a board game. All right? It has little pieces, and you have to sit around and talk to people while you play, and things like that. Anyway, in this board game called Life, it had a little cheesy spinner that never worked, right? Didn't work first service. Let's see. Man. You know. Yeah, you remember that, all right? You'd spin around. And so what you do in this game of life is you start deciding, am I going to go to work or am I going to go to college? And you go on one of these life paths and then you make some money and then, then you get a car and you get a wife. And I, I got my blue car out today and there's me, blue, and 
my wife is pink, and then our son, and both my daughters there in the back seat. And you just drive around, and you get dogs and cats, and you make money. And as I was thinking about that this week, I said, wait a second, how does that game end? So I got the directions. And it says, how to win at life. I'm like, this is really what you wanted to know when you came to church today, right? How to win at life. Here's what it says. After all the players have retired, you count up all your money. And then it says, the player with the highest money total wins. I looked at that and thought, how could my parents let me play this when I was a kid? What a terrible game. Whoever dies with the most money wins. Ridiculous. That's sad. This is the game. I don't know if I ever finished the game. It takes so long, you know. And the, but what a, what a terrible game. Anyway, as I was thinking about that, I thought, is that really what life's about? Is this really what your life is about? To pack the man, minivan full and to go around and make a lot of money and then get to the end of the life and then say, how much do I have to show for this in terms of money? And if I have the most, I win. But you and I, we misunderstand life, and sometimes we're playing that game right now, aren't we? You're packing the minivan full, and you're trying to build up the bank account, and you're thinking, when I retire, I'm going to have a lot of money, and hopefully I win. I then started comparing that life to the life of Jesus. Jesus did not have a retirement plan when he got to 65, because around the age 33, he was crucified. When he's crucified, I don't think he had a home. He didn't have a bank account. He didn't have a savings plan. And yet here we are 2,000 years later singing songs saying, We praise you, Jesus. We love you, Jesus. And it had nothing to do with money. Sometimes we get life all messed up, don't we? What is life? Jesus says, I have come to give you life. And it's not the board game. And it's not a bunch of money necessarily. Doesn't mean we can't enjoy those. Listen, God made things for our enjoyment. He made scones for our enjoyment. All right? Hopefully today, ham for our enjoyment. He made the mountains and the beach for our enjoyment and the flowers that are blooming for our enjoyment and the sun. I hope we see it again. The sun for our enjoyment. But what is life? Amen. <laughs> Break out that sun. But what is life? Let me ask you this question. What does it mean for you to experience life? I'd like you to reflect on that. I'd like you to reflect on that for a moment here, but I'd like you to reflect on that for the rest of your life. What does it mean for you to experience life? Because if you're stuck in the board game, it's not going to end well. You may die with a lot of money, and then you realize, I missed it. But instead, it's this life that Jesus has to offer. For some of you, you're good at making money. Good for you. For some of you, you're good at giving money. Good for you. And as we come to know Jesus better, as we come to know him more deeply, to experience life, we find out that life is about peace now. It's about contentment now. It's about joy right now. It may have nothing to do with money. 
And when we talk about experiencing life, we understand that it's about hope, it's about security, it's about salvation eternally. And so Jesus said that he is the resurrection and the life right now. And so to know him, to believe him, is to experience life. But let's understand this too, that in life there is a reality of death, isn't there? The reality of loss right now. As the story goes, Lazarus died. As we read about this, Jesus wept. Jesus wept. This was a good friend of his. He loved Lazarus. Death has a sting. And every single one of us, I imagine, knows this. We have sat at funerals. We have sat over graves. We have wept as well. There is a sting with death. But let's keep reading. Verse 38. Again, spoiler alert. If your Bible has this in front of you, Jesus raises Lazarus. Verse 38. Then Jesus, deeply moved again, came to the tomb. It was a cave and a stone lay against it. Jesus said, take away the stone. Martha, the sister of the dead man, said to him, Lord, by this time there will be an odor, for he's been dead four days. I love the King James Bible on this one, if you have it, because Martha says, Lord, he stinketh. All right? (laughs) If you remove that stone, it's just, this is not going to be good. Verse 40, Jesus said to her, Did I not tell you that if you believed, if you believed, you would see the glory of God? So they took the stone away. Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. Now Jesus had made a very unusual request of Martha, didn't he? He said, I know your brother's dead. He's behind this stone. But I want you to remove it. I want you to remove it. Didn't make sense to Martha. It doesn't make sense to us if we hear Jesus say something like that to us. Frankly, a lot of things that Jesus says doesn't make sense, if we're honest. Jesus, you would want me to do that? Some of you would say, you know what, I'm going to give up a job for serving the Lord in this way. I'm going to give up time and energy and sacrifice to do this. A lot of following Jesus doesn't make sense. But we trust him. Because Jesus wants you and me to know him so that we would trust him. Would you write this down? So that we would trust him. And so that we would trust him always. He says, I want you to know me because if you know me, you would believe in me and you would trust me. And not just when you were four years old, but you would trust me all the days of your life in every situation You see, as you come to know Jesus in greater ways, you understand that he is faithful, that he is trustworthy. Somebody was sitting with me this week and saying, I know more than ever that Jesus is faithful. He is. And so because of this, I want you to know, every single one of you, I want you to know that you can trust Jesus with your finances. You can trust Jesus with your relationships. You can trust Jesus with your health or lack of it. You can trust Jesus with your loved ones, your job, your future. But belief takes action, doesn't it? Look at this again. 
verse 39, Jesus makes this request, take away the stone. Martha, the sister of the dead man, said, Lord, by this time there will be an odor. He stinketh, for he's been dead four days. Jesus said to her, did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. I want you to know this, that belief requires a step of faith. Belief requires a step of faith. When God asks you to do something, it requires you stepping out. Some of you saying, I don't know if I should go to Africa or Mexico or to my next door neighbor. But it takes a step of faith in saying, I will be obedient. I'm not sure what's going to happen, but I will be obedient. I'm not sure what's going to happen when we roll this stone away, but we will be obedient to you, Jesus. Verse 43, look at this. We'll finish up here, verse 43. When he had said these things, he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The man who had died came out, his hands and his feet bound with linen strips and his face wrapped with a cloth. Jesus said to them, unbind him and let him go. You see, here's Jesus, this author of life. He's the one who also has power over death. And if he would have just said things, listen, you guys, I'm the bread of life, and I'm the light of the world, and I'm the resurrection and the life. If he would have just said these things, I think most people would have said, eh, maybe. But when he says that he's the resurrection and the life, and he raises Lazarus from the dead, they were amazed. They see this and say, we believe, we trust. You see, this is what we're celebrating today. We're celebrating the fact that Jesus, though he allowed others to crucify him, he rose from the dead. Validates everything he said about himself. And I want you to know that you can trust him. You can trust this Jesus. You can trust him with your finances. You can trust him with your relationships. You can trust him with your health. You can trust him with your loved ones, your job, your future. You can trust him. And he says, as you know me more and more, it will be more easy for you to trust me, to believe in me. And here's what happens. As we believe in Jesus, we experience life. Not the board game, but we experience life. As we believe in him, as we trust him more and more, we receive this life that comes from Jesus. We receive it. Not a game, but we receive life. Let me just quickly tell you some of this life. Because it's not just, well, you get a whole lot of money. Some do, some don't. Some get good health, some don't. But here is the life that Jesus offers. One, the forgiveness of our sins. When he says, when you believe in me and I give you life, he says, I give you the forgiveness of your sins. Every single one of us in this room have sinned against God. Okay, including me. We've sinned against God. When we receive this life, we get the forgiveness of sins. We get, secondly, we get strength in our trials. Here's what I know also about our lives. Not only are we sinful people, but we will struggle today, tomorrow, the next day, until we are dead. We will struggle. But this life that Jesus offers gives you strength in your trials. Three, it gives you purpose for our lives. It gives you purpose. Purpose more of just packing the minivan and going around making a lot of money until you die. It's a purpose that serving the Lord. 
finds value in today and in this moment. And lastly, as we believe in Jesus, we receive his life, and it is a hope for all eternity. Hope for all eternity. Our hope's not in the next election. Our hope's not in the stock market. It's not. Our hope is in eternity. It's because of Jesus. And so here's the question, and I'll ask it again. Will you believe in this Jesus who wants you to know him? Will you believe in him? Believers, will you continue to believe in him and grow in your knowledge of him? Explorers, will you believe in him for the first time and allow him to show you what life is all about? You see, Jesus made himself known even by raising from the dead so that you could experience the greatest life-giving relationship out there. Let me finish with these words that are in your on your notes again from John chapter 20. John says, I wrote these things. I wrote this story about Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. I wrote these things. These things were written so that you may believe. That you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. This is God's desire for every single one of us. This is my desire for you. That you would know him, that you would believe in him, so that you would experience his life today and for all eternity. I'm going to ask you to bow your heads with me. Just close your eyes. Reflect for a moment. Before I lead us in a word of prayer. Consider your own life. Consider what you call experiencing life. You're just playing the board game and spinning and hoping to get the lucky number and Or are you pursuing Jesus to talk to him, to listen to him, because he wants to make himself known to you? The story that we read today so that you would know him. The cross and the empty tomb so that you would know him, so that you would believe in him, so that you would experience life. Heavenly Father, I just want to confess first that I have, I've misunderstood so much of life. And yet life is about you, the one who made me, the one who loves me, the one who made himself known to me, the one who has my eternity in your hand. God, I I pray, first of all, for the believers in this room who know you. God, would you help us to know you better? Would you help us to believe in you in all circumstances? that we would experience life. God, I pray for those that are exploring, that are skeptical, that are checking things out. God, I ask that you'd break into their hearts and say, this is what you've been looking for. It's not the board game. This is life. God, would you help those people today to simply say, Jesus, I need you. And you enter their life and you make them new and you help them to see what life is all about. And if I've got one word for this, it's grace. We don't deserve this, but you offer this to us. It's not us trying to figure it out. It's you saying, I'm going to save you. I'm going to rescue you. You have been so gracious to us. So help us to know you. Help us to believe in you. 
And out of that, we know that you will help us to experience life now and for all eternity. So we thank you for your life. We thank you for your death. We thank you for rising again, for living today. We love you, Jesus. We pray all of this in your powerful name. Amen.